Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 39, called, You Have Need of Endurance. Does sanctified mean that the blood of Christ is universal in its effect to atone, but only those who receive Christ receive atonement? In other words, did Jesus die for everybody? Therefore, sanctification is, a, in a wider sense, speaking of the blood of the covenant, but it's especially for believers. You could write down 1 Timothy 4.10, 1 John 2.2, 2, Jesus died for the whole world. There may be something else here. There, there are people um, who would argue that he was sanctified as Christ. That's a certain theological position that uh, they, they don't want to acknowledge that perhaps there's something else going on here. So they say the sanctified one is Christ. And there's, there's good people who would hold that. I, I would submit something else to you. It's possible that the word sanctified has a similar use to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. This is how it reads. And you just write this down for your notes. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his believing wife. The unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. For otherwise your children are unclean, but now they are holy. One of those confusing verses, and you're like, what does that mean? Well, scholars would say, that the word sanctified there means if you were married to an unbeliever and they want to stay married to you, every day they are specially set apart to witness the gospel in your life and they're set apart in some special way. Now, that doesn't mean that's gonna save them just because they live with a Christian, right? It doesn't happen by osmosis. But the, the, the point here is that if someone take it, from that example to the Hebrew first century church. If someone sat in services consistently, they had been set apart to hear the gospel. And so it could be that they being sanctified meant that they had a special opportunity to hear the gospel and probably more than once because it would appear that many of these people heard the gospel over and over again. I don't know what the right answer here is, but it does say... He was sanctified, but notice what happens. He's now insulted the spirit of grace. He's uh, pushed him away or hurt him. The word insulted is uh, from a word in Greek where we get hubris, and it means an exaggerated pride or self-confidence. And so this is kind of at the root of it, and We are winding down on the hard section, but he says, for we know him who said, 30, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying or fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now that's the hard section. So everybody just breathe. (sighs) Okay. And I will say that David, when he had... Uh, counted the people. This is a just reading out of a commentary. King David, after he had sinned against God by counting the number of fighting men in Israel and Judah, 
evidently viewed falling into God's hands as divine judgment. Because when God commanded him to choose between three alternatives, his wise reply was, let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. 2 Samuel 24, 14. Very possibly, this exact passage was on our author's mind and governed the form of the words he chose. However that may be, for the true believer, there is nothing better than to fall repentantly into the hands of God. His hands are our hope. And I think what we would say is this. If one rejects Christ, either way you're going to fall into the hands of the living God. Amen? Now, if you fall into the hands of the living God in a positive sense, you'll fall into his pierced, you know, scarred hands, and he'll say, come into the kingdom, well done. But if you fall into the hands of the living God, having rejected the spirit of grace and the blood of the new covenant, you'll fall into his hands in a different sense. And that will be for judgment. And I know that's not a popular message, and I know that, you know, some people say, oh, there, there it is. You know, the hellfire and brimstone message. But here's the point. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says there's a heaven and there's a hell. There's a way to avoid judgment and to know God personally and have the righteousness of Christ. But the ball's in your court. If you reject the spirit of grace, if you say no, and you can, however you work out your soteriology, I'll let you wrestle with that. But then you fall into the hands of the living God for judgment. And of course, we don't want anybody to do that. God doesn't want anybody to perish. That's why Jesus came. All right, section two is the encouragement. We'll move quickly. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict The word great conflict there is a single Greek word, athlesis, where we get athletic, a hard struggle of sufferings. When you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering, says the NIV. One of the things that you have to do so that you don't fall away is you have to remember. You have to remember former days. How many of you can think back to the time when you first got saved? For some of you, that was a long time ago. Do you remember the zeal that you had? Do you remember the passion that you had? I remember I wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. And I was certainly uh, green behind the ears, uh, wet behind the ears, if you want to say it that way. And I was annoying. And I was telling people left and right, up and down, family members, and they were like, we know you, Michael. And okay, you know me, but I'm a new creation in Christ. And you know, people probably thought, is this gonna last? And by the way, this happened in the late 80s, so it has lasted. (laughs) But I had a zeal for evangelism and I was trying to tell everybody left and right about the gospel and I would consistently try to close the deal. All right, let's get you to the sinner's prayer right now. I think I was a little... Kind of salesman, some of those salesman qualities, you know. But the writer's saying, I want, you to, I want you to go back for a moment to the early days. Probably this would have reflected the persecution under Claudius. The date would be AD 49. So maybe about 15 years ago, when after being enlightened, when you heard the gospel, you endured. Verse 32, you were like an athlete. How many of you watched the Laker game last night? All right, game one uh, of that series with Denver. I kind of, I turned off basketball for several years, but Lakers got deep into the playoffs, so I turned it back on. Uh, 
What an amazing game that was. The Lakers were down early. They fought back. I mean, the game, I, I don't know what it was, like 120 to 100 and something. And the Lakers kept fighting back and they, were, they gave everything they had and it was exhausting. Have you ever watched like a 15-round boxing match and been amazed that those guys are still standing on their feet? I couldn't bounce around for 30 seconds like that. I'd be gassed, you know? But they're getting hit and they're bleeding sometimes and, and they persevere to win what we would call a perishable crown, right? And the writer says, do you remember when you stood almost like an athlete stands through a marathon and you had all these sufferings and you had this in the picture of an athletic contest and you stood your ground. Do you remember how you were made a public spectacle, verse 33, where we get the word theater? Through reproaches and tribulations, plural, you became sharers. That's the Greek word koinonoi, where we get the idea of true fellowship. But those who were so treated, you stood arm in arm, hand in hand with other believers. You stood by their side. You showed sympathy to the prisoners. If you have a New King James, it says, you had compassion on me in my chains. There's a, a manuscript stream that would say the writer of Hebrews experienced this compassion firsthand. I don't know which one is the authentic one. You showed sympathy to prisoners. We'll learn about this in Hebrews 13 where they would show the sympathy to prisoners. And you accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. How did that happen? Some say it was confiscated by Jewish leadership. Others say they lost their inheritance because their family kicked them out because they had received Jesus as Messiah. And fathers said to their sons, you're no longer my son, and therefore you don't get an inheritance. And happily, they said, okay, you know what? Whatever's on this planet is only temporary anyway, so I'm gonna go for the greater reward. You knew you had a better possession, an abiding one, and so you stood your ground You accepted joyfully the trial and tribulation. You stood. Don't throw away your confidence. Therefore, 35. Brethren, can you make this your own tonight? Don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. It is always too soon to give up. But I will tell you this. One of your greatest temptations in the Christian life, if you haven't learned this yet, Here's a nugget, put it in your pocket. One of your greatest temptations in the Christian life will be to give up. To give up on yourself, to give up on your faith, to say, I'm not gonna take it as serious anymore, whatever it may be. There's a lot of people who start well. There's not a lot of people who finish well. And so endurance is what you need. Don't throw away your confidence. This is a story I read in a commentary We've all heard of the famous uh, high-wire aerialist, the Flying Wallendas, about the tragic death of their leader, the great Carl Wallenda, in 1978, shortly after the great Wallenda fell to his death, traversing a 75-foot high-wire in downtown San Juan, Puerto Rico. His wife, also an aerialist, discussed the faithful San Juan walk. She recalled, all Carl thought about for three straight months prior to it was falling. It was the first time he had ever thought about that. It seemed to me that he put all his energies into not falling rather than walking the tightrope. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. Welcome to Walk in Truth. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. And access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. That's how I showed my anger. Mm. Not in words, but in you can't have me. Mm-hmm. And that obviously took a toll in our relationship. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. While Linda fell to his death, traversing a 75-foot high wire in downtown San Juan, Puerto Rico. His wife, also an aerialist, discussed the faithful San Juan walk. She recalled, All Carl thought about for three straight months prior to it was falling. It was the first time he had ever thought about that. It seemed to me that he put all his energies into not falling rather than walking the tightrope. Mrs. Walenda added that her husband went so far as to personally supervise the installation of the tightrope, making sure the guy wires were secured. Something she said I'd never even... uh, Thought, he never even thought of doing before. While Linda's loss of confidence portended and even contributed to his death, though his past performances gave him every reason to be confident, yet he was so focused on falling that he fell. And I think a lot of us maybe find ourselves on that tightrope tonight. I hope you don't. But sometimes we're so worried about falling we don't walk well anymore. We're inspecting everything and looking at every minute detail and the Lord's saying, just keep your eyes on me, which we're going to learn in chapter 12. What you need, brethren, this is the title, is you need endurance. Don't throw it all, all away. Brown says, adversity is rarely a vicious enemy. It is often a valuable ally. It reminds us of the imperishable things that matter most of all, close quote. You see, when these people had the proper perspective, they were like, you know, my possessions are important to me, but if I lose my possessions, I have my faith. If I lose everything in this world, I have an eternal reward. But when we flip those things, we get ourselves in trouble. What we need is endurance. We're gonna learn about endurance in chapter 11 and chapter 12. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Don't lose heart. Keep pressing on. Jesus put it this way. You will be hated by all on account of my name, yet not a hair of your head will perish. And by your endurance, you will gain your lives. Luke 21, 17 through 19. And so we endure. 
For yet in a very little while, 37, he who is coming will come and will not delay. In a very little while, he who is coming will come. Now, this was written in AD 64, and this is why I say that perhaps this is something we have to consider. The writer is referring to the fall of Jerusalem. I believe in the ultimate day of the Lord. Don't get me wrong. But it may well be that the writer's saying that day is coming. And Jesus came in judgment on Jerusalem just as he predicted in AD 70. And Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans, but it was a judgment of God. Just like God used Babylon to destroy Judah. Just like God used Assyria to destroy the northern kingdom. So it's possible. I'm just putting that out before you. But my righteous one shall live how? By faith. This is what we're going to learn in chapter 11. By faith. That's going to be the repeated phrase over and over again. By faith. By faith Noah. By faith Abraham. By faith Moses. By faith. By faith. What we need is faith. Amen? Faith will bring us endurance. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back or draws back, New King James, my soul has no pleasure in him. This is a quote from Habakkuk chapter two. And the Septuagint reads this way. Because the vision is yet for an appointed time and it will appear at length and not in vain, if he is late, wait for him. Because he will surely come, he will not delay. If he draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him, but my righteous one will live by faith. Habakkuk concludes his book by saying these words. It'll be familiar to, I think, many of you. Though the fig tree, Habakkuk 3.17, should not blossom, there be no fruit on the vines. Though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, Though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength and he has made my feet like hinds feet and he makes me walk on my high places. The final verses of Habakkuk. But, says the writer, and I think he's being very pastoral here, and this is what he said in Hebrews chapter 6. We're convinced of better things of you. In chapter six, here he says, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. When Jesus is preaching in Matthew 16, he said, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I was preaching a memorial service some years back and I felt the Lord took me to Matthew 16, 24 through 26, and Jesus was talking about the soul there, and he said, you could gain the whole world. He didn't say you could gain an island. You could, you know, gain a city block. He said, it wouldn't be worth it if you gained the whole world and forfeited your own soul. And then he said, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? How much is your soul worth? Uh, Ray... Comfort, the great evangelist, will say to people, let me ask you a question. Would you give me, would, would you uh, give me your eyes for $10 million? If I gave you $10 million right now, would you give me your eyes? Assuming that the person has good eyesight, is not a blind person. 
And person after person will say, no, I, I won't give you my eyes for, I don't care if you gave me a hundred million or $500 million. My eyes are that through which I see the world. And Ray will often say, yeah, that's right. Your eyes are precious to you, right? And occasionally you'll run into a surfer who's a little bit, you know, sideways. And he'll go, yeah, dude, I'll give you, I'll give you my eyes for 10 mil. Yeah, anyway, it's a different story. And Ray will say, your eyes are, are precious and that's why you wouldn't sell them for anything. And then he says these words, how much is your soul worth? And would you give me your soul for 10 mil? Yeah, dude, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've, you've watched some people, Ray will go into the 10 commandments and he'll start talking about the law of God and judgment. And you'll watch people all of a sudden go from laughing and yucking it up to very serious. And they want to find out how they can be saved. We are those, brethren, who don't shrink back to destruction. We're of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Your soul has great value. Jesus said, don't fear who can kill him who can kill your body. And after that, he has no power. Fear him who can destroy both soul and body in Hades. Amen. Brethren, I know this world is tough and it's sometimes confusing, but we have brothers and sisters in India right now that are going through it. There's some places in the world where Hebrews chapter 10 probably is a little bit more apropos than to us tonight. I know we're we're worried about our country and where it's headed and what it's going to mean to be a Christian in the next 5, 10, 20 years here, but we are not those who shrink back. Amen. So let's stand and let's stand together because we'll be stronger when we stand together. You've been listening to You Have Need of Endurance, part three on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 39. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is always available on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Would you please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. I would imagine that every one of you within the sound of my voice would say, yes, I have need of endurance. Well, I pray that these last three messages in Hebrews 10, 26 through 39 have blessed you and given you some encouragement that God gives perseverance. And another thing that I would mention to reiterate something I said, I believe I said in this message is that Endurance comes in community. Now, God gives perseverance, but one way that he does that is through the encouragement of brothers and sisters in Christ. When we gather corporately, there's uh, an encouragement. In fact, the verses right before where we started tell us that when we gather, we encourage, indeed, we incite literally one another to love and good deeds. And so don't forsake assembling with other believers, and we're coming into a weekend And I will tell you, I continue to hear reports about 
church attendance and people still not returning after COVID, which is incredible to me. You and I need the body of Christ. That's part of the recipe for endurance. But let me flip it around. It's not just about us. When we show up, we suit up, we show up, we use our gifts, we help others endure. So don't just make it about you. (laughs) Make it about the body. The body needs you and you need the body. And if you don't show up, then there's no way to contribute. Now, you might be saying, well, I'm watching a live stream and I'm about to tell you about our live stream, 1030 a.m. Pacific time if you can't make it. But my prayer is that unless you're a shut-in and just can't get to church, you're sick or whatever, then our live stream on YouTube, 1030 a.m. Pacific time, Sunday morning, our second service, would be supplemental to your involvement in local fellowship, whether it's at Living Truth, where I pastor, or somewhere else, walkintruth.com. And just a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast to reach more people like you with the hope of Jesus. And now we offer the Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your donation. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us Monday for Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 11, 1 through 6, called Renewing Your Faith. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with you.